0: biggest things that the Lord is doing um, in this place is it's obviously a time of great transition. I'm aware of that, that you don't need a prophetic, you know, insight to to see that there's transition happening. And um, I I shared a little about my transition as well. Um, You know, for those of you don't know, we just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and it felt like we just went through a long season of the wilderness. Um, You know, after the sound, I had many ideas of what things would look like in fact, um, we, we, we really were led by the Spirit into the wilderness from that place. And I thought we would be led into the promise, but we were actually led, uh, we were, but sometimes the promise of the Lord is, uh, it's the wilderness place. And the wilderness in every person's life, there's, there are multiple. there's not one wilderness, there's seasons of wilderness where things don't totally make sense. You're not totally settled. You're not sure what is is on the horizon, but there's something so precious in that place. And oftentimes I've found in my short life, I'm 31, that when I was in a season of dryness, my attempt to escape that season would actually um, stunt my growth. Trying to get out of that season before it's time In other words, trying to understand everything. We're creatures that want to know what's ahead. We want to have answers. We feel more comfortable uh, knowing what's coming and having that sense of comfort and security. And um, one of the most powerful words the Lord spoke to me in this past season was, He said, Chris, let me host you. Would you let me take care of you in the wilderness? You see, in the wilderness, um, it's where God provides supernaturally. There's a supernatural provision, right? You think about the children of Israel. And the entire thing of a wilderness season is this. is to recalibrate you and bring you back to the place where you trust in nothing else but His presence. You learn to live again around His presence. And most of us, have heard many sermons on this, we've read the books, we've done the stuff, we understand, right? Okay, yeah, I'm supposed to live life around His presence, blah, blah, blah. And, and many times the Lord brings us into seasons of wilderness to teach us how to hunger again for His presence. And to teach us that there is nothing else in life more valuable in our discipleship, in our growth with God, than to learn to follow His presence. When Jesus said to us, go disciple nations... I love looking at the way that the Father discipled the nation of Israel out of Egypt. The first thing He does when He brings them out of slavery, out of and into freedom, He teaches them to worship and to live around His presence, right? When the cloud moves, you move. When it stops, you stop. And in the wilderness, you live by what falls. You live by what falls because the manna fell from heaven. They were dependent. God told me, Chris, in the wilderness, I want you to learn to trust me here so I can trust you in the promise. I want you to learn to let me host you. Let my presence host you in the wilderness so that when you are in the promised, that next season of promised land, that you can host me well in that place. In the wilderness, we learn to live by what falls In the promised land we live by what flows I believe there is a place that we can live in God where we understand that we're not just waiting on revival to just fall right but we're actually living front where a tree planted by the water we're living by what flows you understand and the difference is if you and and we want to be planted we want to be planted and, and, and that was our heart. You know, I said, God, we want to put our roots down. We want to put roots into a place because we want to live by what flows. We want to, we want to go deep because we, we want to actually be in a place where we can change the world with the legacy of pouring into a, a, a specific place. Not just, you know, uh, 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 not just going from family to family, but establishing something. And I believe that, that one of the things I, I want to talk about this morning is you learning to trust and live again around the presence of God. Like living, truly living, uh, by the presence of God. Nothing else. Nothing else. Living by the presence of God. Sometimes the Lord has to take you into the place of His presence. Sometimes the Lord has to teach you again, uh, uh, h- how to eat good. He has to teach you how to, how to eat good again. He's got he's gotta teach you, you know, it's like, think about this. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We know the story. He's led out by the Spirit. He leaves the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. But this wilderness journey taught, even Jesus has learned obedience. He learned obedience. I am so gripped in my heart in this season to, to begin to learn once again all over in a sense, but even in a deeper way, because we, we don't just graduate from something and move on. A lot of times you hear teaching about intimacy with God, you know, living your life around the presence of God, living that way. uh, And, and, and you, you learn it, you kind of move on, but I feel there's something more. I actually feel God inviting you into that place. It's been the, kind of the theme, you know, of this last two days. It, it's, it's going back. And, and for me, it kind of stinks, honestly. I mean, I, I left last night thinking, you know, that was such a simple message that we've all heard so many times. The problem is, is that when we become familiar with things that are, are, are so foundational, we, they often lose their power with us. I would venture to say this, if you can't read John three sixteen and, 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 and be in awe of like these classic scriptures, these classic foundational things we've heard in church our whole lives, if you can't be in awe by them, if there's a religious film, when you read scriptures and you go, I already know that, I've read that, I, I get that. I'm, if you have that attitude, I'm telling you, you are, you, you can't receive from God. You actually cannot. I mean, I love this, this thought that, um, you know, you go into cities and some people are saying, uh, well, you know, the spirit of this is here. And I believe in that. I do believe there are principalities. I do believe that. I believe we're seated above those things. We're not subject to those things. The reality is though, there are those things in cities. Listen, when I was in San Francisco and, and, you know, talking about principalities, to me, principalities is just a network of, of, of demonic principles. And usually it affects the people's thoughts. And, and the way to rise above that, of course, is to recognize that, that, and then recognize, no, I'm seated above this so I can act in the opposite spirit. The best form of spiritual warfare is not trying to take on hell with a water gun. It's, it's working and walking in the opposite spirit of the land, you understand. San Francisco, for instance, when it comes to principalities, principle of thought that operates in a region... Listen, if you live in San you visit San Francisco, it's really fun, right, for a few days. You live there, and it's like, wow, I mean, this is crazy. I cannot tell you how many times I drove across the Golden Gate Bridge, and this is reality. I had to lay my hands on Danielle and pray because... The way she's such a feeler in God, and and I'm, you know, I'm not as much that way, but she, she's such a feeler. She comes into places. You're like, when we're in Wales, she's like, oh my God, this land, I love it. You know, there's something about land and places. We would drive into San Francisco, I'm telling you, for the first seven, eight months, and my wife would literally feel a hand choking her. She would just feel so overwhelmed that she had to learn, and I had to learn, to pray in the spirit over her for 30 minutes before this thing would actually lift. So there's real, you know, there's a reality to, <laughs> to these things. It, it's real, but obviously we're seated above it. We, we gain access. There's such a hustle spirit in San Francisco. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Work, work, work. I found myself doing more than I'd ever done in my life even after the sound had ended, I'm just constantly busy. I'm dreaming new ideas, new things. In some ways you can utilize that for the benefit of, of the kingdom, but in other ways it would absolutely rob you, right? Um, we just moved to Nashville. Nashville, the predominant attitude and principle thought of the people is this, we're here to make it for ourselves. Ambition, I'm here to do it. I'm, I'm gonna get mine. I'm gonna rise to the top. I'm gonna be number one. I'm here to, it's all very ambitious. So we knew the opposite spirit of coming into Nashville. And we just were speaking about this. So many leaders in Nashville are very, they keep at arm's length. It's all about, what can you do for me? It's a networking city. Well, I, let's meet him. Let's meet her. You gotta know him. Because it's all about getting your gift exalted and an ambition, even in the church. Especially out of the church. But even in the church, it's, it's, it's very icky, some of the things, right? In the Christian music industry in Nashville. And so, I know the opposite spirit to walk in in that way is to be completely free of ambition. Coming to serve and asking for nothing in return. Literally, I've sat with music execs who are the top of the top and record labels and agents and all these things, and they remark to me after we have these meetings, I've never met anyone like you. What, what is going on? You're such a breath of fresh air. It says, because I'm not domesticated. I'm not in slavery to the system. I don't need you. I don't need anything from you to bring me security. I don't need your brand upon my life to give me security. Slaves are branded. You know what I mean, right? Slaves are branded. There's this, and I'm just going off. I hope I'm speaking to someone. But there's this thing about we want to be, we want the brand. We want the brand. We want to be branded. We want to be known for something. And then we want to be branded because truly we're insecure. We're insecure of who we are. And we think if we can be, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Right? I belong to this group. I belong to that group. Listen, it's great to belong to family, but it's it's great. But God is not into branding. He doesn't want slaves being brand. We all already belong to one another. So I have this attitude where I'm walking in the opposite spirit. But let me explain this to you. I would not be able to do that if I'm not feeding from the presence of the Lord. There is such a a reality in Exodus 33 that just plows me. It has been a foundational scripture of my life. The story of Moses in the wilderness and God says, Moses, I, I mean, (laughs) think about the craziness. Where is the theology for this, first of all? Like, my theology gets rocked. And if I go into Genesis, my theology really gets rocked. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, uh, just crazy stories. But you think about Moses in the wilderness, and think about what the Lord says. I mean, you could take this so many different ways. I don't know if the Lord's joking around. I don't know if He's testing. I don't know what is really going on, if He really meant it. And Moses was such a friend of God that he could actually change God's mind. I mean, that is biblical. It does say that. Not one time, not a, but a, numerous times. It says the Lord changed his mind because Moses actually reminded the Lord of his word. Not because the Lord forgot, but because the Lord has actually, he's so humble, he subjects himself to real relationship. It's not this fake, false relationship where he's like, you know, well, let's play the game. Come on, let's do the the small talk. No, he really submits himself to real relationship. That's what I see. But this story in Exodus 33, think about it. Moses is in the wilderness. Do you, you, if you haven't ever been in a wilderness season of your life, you can't understand the longing to be settled and out of that place. Many of you have been, have, have learned to, 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 to survive and, and some people's wilderness is longer than, than others and in many different aspects. But let me help you understand, there is a longing to be in the promise. Moses longed to take the people into this promised place of the Lord. But the Lord says in Exodus 33, Moses, I'm taking you to the promise, but I, I want you to know I'm not going with you. I will not. My presence will not go with you. Famously, Moses says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't even want to take a step out of this desert. He made a declaration. I would rather die not seeing the promise than get to it and not have your presence when I get there. It's an emphasis on the presence of God over the promise. He's teaching. He's teaching. I want that more than anything. I want that. I want to be in the presence of God. Now understand, in the presence of the Lord is where, it's it's where we hear. It's how we hear. It's how we gain clarity. You even think about Joshua, the successor. He hears the, the strategy of how to take Jericho while in the place of worship. Jesus, many believe, a Christophany or whatever it's called. Is that, is that theologically correct? Comes, reveals himself captain of the uh, the, the angel army of heaven encounters uh, Joshua and says, Take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Joshua bows down and worships. And from the place of worship, uh, the Lord speaks to Joshua, walk around the city, and, and does the whole plan and strategy for taking a city from the place of worship, from the place of his presence. What happens to us, and I said it earlier, is when we begin to think of the presence of God as something that's common. Normal is not common, though it, it could denote a similar thing. Normal means it happens in a, in a, a sustained way or a sustained occurrence. When we go to Destiny on Sunday, we know the presence of the Lord will be there. It's a normal occurrence. But when you begin to treat that normal thing as common, you lose honor for it. When Jesus goes into his hometown, he cannot do miracles there. In other words, the power inside of him could not be pulled out because there was no honor. They treated him as, he's just common. He's Joseph's boy. not gonna I'm not buying this I know you I've seen you run around with a poopy diaper on I've I've watched your mom spank you you know did Jesus ever get spanked I don't know better not say that I love the picture of a baby standing on the bathtub water and Mary is Jesus she says get in the tub cuz he's walking on the bathtub water anyway anyway Jesus Jesus we don't respect dude you're Joseph's boy man well you grew up around here you're nothing special But they felt the power, it says they felt the gracious words that poured forth from his lips, but something inhibited them, it was honor. When, what you're thankful for multiplies, the bread, the fish, the loaves, the the, the fishes. It was thankfulness produced multiplication. In fact, honor pulls more out of what's already there when you honor something. That's, it's easier to honor a guy that comes in on an airplane than it is the pastor you see week after week. Because the honor level that is there, it's easier to honor the guy with the microphone than the person sitting to the left and the right of you, even though they have the same Jesus inside of them as I do. It's easier to just honor in naturally. So what happens is when the presence of the Lord is among us, and we're just, I so honor this. You want to know what honor is? Honor stops and allows the honored thing to take precedence. That means in our gatherings, when the presence of the Lord comes, we do not, we give that... The presence of the Lord is simply the face of God. That is the biblical definition. Presence means face. Peneum, penule in the Greek, the Hebrew. It means face. When the face of the Lord God, Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, comes into a place, okay... And, and, and we feel the manifest, not the omnipresence of the Lord, the omnipresence of God is everywhere. That's when David was referring to the omnipotent God, his, his omnipresence. It means he's everywhere at this, he, he is everywhere, make my bed in hell, the highest height, you're there. But the manifest presence of God, when it enters into a place, when there's that weight of his glory that comes when you honor it you're actually able to pull everything you need to pull out of it if you don't and if it's just and we've all done this like well i'm here i sense the presence of the lord but i'm just kind of you know we're just going to kind of go on with the program that's how you little by little end up getting to the promise and leaving the presence of god behind the thing that is honored will give you more of what is inside of it you can eat from it now I want you to turn to Isaiah. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 50. Um, Because I think I, no, it's not 50. I'm, I'm, I'm testing you. It's 55. The prophetic one said he's going to say 55. You're right. Very good. You've passed the test. Isaiah 55. I want to read from this. I want to eat of his, from, from the place of his presence. I want to eat from the place of the presence of God. Listen, if they didn't, listen to me, in the wilderness, if they don't follow the cloud, they won't get the manna. If they chose, if the presence is doing something and they don't follow it, and they're not learning to live around that place, they will not eat. They will not eat. They won't eat. You have to eat. Here's another little parable I'm going to give you. You cannot eat and talk at the same time. If you do, you're rude at best. Didn't your mother ever tell you, don't talk and eat at the same time. I want to talk to you about this. God is not just into, it's just a reminder course here. I think if we knew, if we actually lived some of the foundational things we we think we know, if we actually lived it, we'd prove our belief in it. You only really do what you believe. You can know a lot of stuff. You can know a lot of stuff. But if you don't really believe it, you're not going to live it. If you don't believe that, that that you need the Word of God to actually survive, you won't actually stop and eat and listen. You won't. You won't do it if you don't believe it. The, the, I, I love the saying that we wonder sometimes why we're in a place of confusion. We wonder sometimes why we don't have peace and joy. And we all go through moments where those things escape us and we're learning to walk in and, 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 and a continual way to have, you know, the things of the kingdom of God. You know, love, joy, peace, righteousness, and the Holy Ghost. But, Holy Ghost. But, You understand that, you know, we feed our bodies. It's not hard to, like, eat. I don't know about you, but I base my entire day around my eating. Some people are not like that, and if that's you, I'm very sorry. I cannot relate to you. For me, everything revolves around the times I'm going to eat. That's why when you're fasting, the Christian F word, when you're fasting, you, you think about it. You think about it sometimes too much, but you think, oh my, I, I want to eat because for me, my day's built around. I, I I hear r- these rare, rare souls who say, eh, I just forgot to eat. My mind doesn't compute. It goes, because not compute. Bzz, bzz. It fries my circuit. I don't ever forget to eat. Ever. Sometimes... Uh, but everything is based around that. I, I woke up this morning and thought, let's see, I got to be at church. Eh, so I will get breakfast in. That's going to happen. I'm sort of like a hobbit in Lord of the Rings. I have first breakfast, second breakfast. That's kind of how I like to do things, okay? So <laughs> so eating is so enjoyable to me. You, As you can tell, and you'll be able to tell in a few more years, I'm sure, a little more how enjoyable eating is to me. But I love to eat, and I, I realize this, that God wants to feed us from the, the beautiful place of His presence. Do you know, I believe the place of the manifest presence of God is the best place to eat. It really is the best place to eat of His Word. Jesus said this, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We eat, and, and, and we eat three, you know, usually hot meals a day, and then we feed our spirits a cold, one cold snack a week. And we wonder why we're not walking in peace and in joy and in and life and in vision, right? And 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 this is why because we're not eating. If I didn't eat, you know, uh, you know, aside from a fast of the Lord, okay, I'm 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 fasting uh, right now. I'm fasting. Uh, I'm fasting. Evil gossip. I'm fasting a lot of other things. As a matter of fact, I'm fasting food. I think I've been fasting for about an hour and a half now. So. I'll probably break here in another hour, but you know, for what it's worth, Lord, the widow's might of my fast. It's, uh, you know, there you go, Lord. But in a serious note, guys, listen, you know, you must eat of the Word of God. Actually, God wants to delight you in abundance of hearing His voice. In the wilderness, I've noticed something this last year. I've noticed that the words of the Lord were ramped up. I never once in the wilderness... I felt like I was in a place of dryness, or or, or the wilderness, and the many things that that means. Because um, I was, a, it was never a lack of the word of, of the Lord. As a matter of fact, it felt like the word of the Lord got stronger in that time to constantly nourish me. Not because I I I, I necessarily deserved to have it, but I, I it was like it, it kept me going. I had to literally live by the word. I in times when it seemed like. What are we gonna do? What? What? How's this gonna work out? How's this gonna work out? We had to cling to the word of the Lord. It was all we had. In the natural, there was no, there was no, you know, uh, thing that that would say that that we were gonna be okay. And what I want to read out of Isaiah fifty-five is this: I want to, us to return to this place where we understand that we we have to come to the Lord without knowing everything. <laughs> Okay, that, that, that we act like we, we just, we get it. We know it. We've been there. We've done that. We, we have to do that. If we don't, if we don't seek to live it, I believe the most powerful thing the Lord wants to do with you this morning is get this in your head, that He wants you to, to have the Word become flesh. He wants the Word in your life to become flesh. That means, remember John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. It means that which was a full spiritual reality actually came into manifestation in the natural. God's, I think, his one of His supreme intentions in your life is that the Word that you know, that is personal words, that is also the Scriptures and and any of, uh, of that the logos, the rhema, whatever, God wants that word to become flesh in your life, the whole purpose of the Lord is, you heard the word, now do this word, attempt to live it out, attempt to live it, this is the goal, to live the stuff, I mean, literally, it's, 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 it's to live it. It's not about just hearing. I referenced James 1 the other day. How often do we do this? We hear the Word and don't do it. And that, and we're like someone who looks in the mirror and forgets who they are. Do you know what happens if you look in the mirror and forget who you are? You forget your identity. And if you don't do the Word, you lose sense of your identity. That's how people can get all the prophetic words in the world. I got this Word. I got this Word. I got this Word but you're not actually doing what he said to do. You're not actually living it. I, I can't tell you the pain of, of, of I feel. i felt it in my own life before. I think anyone who's preached has felt this thing where you, you preach things you're going after, but I, I learned early on I can't preach something that I've not lived. Jesus' word was so powerful because he was the word that he preached. He was the word that he preached. That's why when he spoke, people said, we have heard the Pharisees. We have heard teachers our whole life. We've heard every group, every theologian, the, stud- the, the people who study and are, are masters of the word. We've heard them. But when this man, Jesus, when Yeshua speaks My heart is moved. Who is this one when he speaks? His words move me. He speaks as one with authority. I don't want, I cannot live to be someone who doesn't have that power on my life. When I speak, I want to speak as one that is speaking on the oracles of God that he's lived. That was my whole thing in San Francisco. I can't believe that. You know, in some ways, I know that what the Lord did was a dream of his heart. So many things, incredible things happen. But there's been times I've often wondered if he did the whole thing for me alone. Because, and and I'm saying that facetiously because the the point is that I went there to live the word. Literally, I, I was so passionate. Do you understand me? I'm, 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 you know the story, guys. I'm so, I know the scriptures. I preach them. Prophets on the hill, da, 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 da. But to actually live it, man, is so different. You know how different it is? I'm preaching. It's so great to go to a conference and say, the prophets on the hill, let's read 1 Samuel 10. They played their instruments and prophesied, and they were changed into another man. And people, yeah, let's do it. But then it's like, would you actually go outdoors and, and outside and do that? And I said, Lord, I'm so sick of just talking about stuff. I want to do it. I actually, I actually want to play. My my passionate heart is God. I actually want to play and I actually want to see people change. I don't want to just sing songs when I open my mouth, God. I want you to change the person in the back who's never heard of Jesus. My anointing works in church. Does it work with someone who doesn't know Him? We get up and we do all this stuff, man, like, we have performance thing that gets on the church. It's so easy to do, right? Like, lift your hands. Let's sing another chorus. How great is that. And we just learn all the things to do. Now lift your hands. Now lay your hand on your neighbor. Now say this after me. Now do this. And we have all these things. And they're not evil, but my point is this. I'm so struck with the fact that I, I can come in the church. Oh, you're so anointed, brother. You're just so powerful. And my thought was this. Can the same thing be said of me to the guy outside who has no idea of God, no culture of the church? Can he look and say, man, there is something different about you? And I watched in San Francisco as I would sing on that hill. Man, do you want to know how absolutely awkward it is to actually live the Word? To actually live the Word. I was with Bill Johnson last weekend and heard him talk about how, you know, he prayed for the sick so many times. He's so sick of hearing about it. He's not going to settle for, well, this person this person died uh, uh, of cancer, so I'm just going to relegate it to the to the, the will of God. He said, you know, uh, I, I refuse to just accept that. That's lazy theology. Well, it was God's will. Lazy theology. What about breakthrough and say, I'm going to do this until I see the breakthrough? For me, in my way, that was it. I said, God, could I see this? And so how many times, you want to know the first time, I mean, (laughs) I had this whole idea of how it looked. You should have seen me some of these days, guys, walking up with my guitar on top of Hippie Hill and like setting it down. And, you know, here's everybody just, yeah, man, partying, doing their stuff, the music, boom boxes. and, And here I am just sitting here and I'm just singing songs to God. After a while, I said, God, you told me if I sewed a song, you'd give me a sound. I have not written one song while I've been here. I've just been playing all these, just, basic worship stuff to you. I don't know what to do. He says, while you've been singing to me, I've been writing in you. And I just, I just said, God, if there's one thing, I want it to be so real, God, that, that, that you'd use me, Lord, as a, as a traveling prophetic troubadour that I could go on the streets and sing and men would see... It was like the story, and I began to see it, you know, this drunk girl that was one day down on the hill comes up with her bottle of Jack, and she sits up, and she just looks, and she says, Can I sit with you? And I said, Sure you can. She sits there for an hour and weeps in the presence of the Lord. And, and, and God, she's, she's half, you know, hammered, three sheets to the wind, rode hard, put up wet. She, write, she walks down to the, her other group of, of people that were partying, about 10 other people, and she starts pointing up here, and da-da-da-da, look at what they're doing. She, she starts preaching the gospel to these people. She's half drunk. You know, she's just been in the presence. And I started to go, no, listen, I have to have something that doesn't just work in the house. I got to have something that works out there, or is it really real? Because it wasn't just the church that said Jesus was powerful and his words had authority. It was the normal dude. It was the normal person. It was the tax collector who said, I have to hear him. This man, I've never heard someone speak like this. In reference to that, I want to say this. I don't think the church has a right to label a revival of Jesus movement. A Jesus movement actually touched, you know, John, down here at the tire shop, saw the Christ and recognized Him as Messiah before the big preacher apostle guy did. Do you understand that? Do you get that when Jesus came, it was the laymen, it was the blue-collar guys working their butts off who knew nothing about the Bible that saw Jesus and said, that is the Messiah. But the man who knew the Word, who prayed it in, saw the same Jesus and said, This guy's a false prophet. Let's crucify him. So you understand only the world and the the son of man outside of these walls can really say uh, that there's a Jesus movement. Because when Jesus moves, guys, it is offensive to us. It's so offensive to us. If we don't know him by the word, if we don't live it, if we don't know him by the voice, and I will tell you this too, once again, the more you honor it, usually the more you'll get from it. And honor means, means action. It means to do. It means to actually change what you're doing to honor something. The voice of the Lord, if you don't follow it, if you don't recognize it, you'll miss the form when it comes. You understand that? You will, miss, you will miss the form. You'll miss it because you'll be like Mary who saw the resurrected Christ. She didn't recognize Him by the form, only by His voice when He said her name. I don't know this form. This doesn't look like what I thought. We got more people that talk about revival who studied the last hundred years of revival history instead of studying the character of God. Most of our revival ideas are from revival of the last hundred years, yet the God who was and is and is to come, revival himself, revival himself. We don't study Him. Revival Himself might have a whole different idea than than revival history. I'm not saying we don't take things from it. But what I'm saying is this. I want to know the voice so well that even if it comes in a form that is offensive to my religious workings, and by the way, you don't just cast a spirit of religion out. Well, I'm free from religion. No, religion is anything you do that does not depend solely upon the voice of God. Religion is, it worked yesterday, so let's do it again. Religion is the easy way out of not having to hear His voice. But the antithesis, the opposite, if you will, of of religion is dependency on the voice above all other things, all other things. So let's read this finally. It says this. Isaiah 55, I'm reading from the New King James. Ho, this is not the beginning of a rap song. I don't know, I think he's saying hello. Everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters. Get this. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yeah, yeah, I said that right. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So the Lord invites you this morning. I want you to come buy something from me but it doesn't cost anything. Wait, what? Let's read it again. I'm confused. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. What is the prerequisite for being able to buy and eat from the Lord? One prerequisite. You have to come broke. In other words, if you think you know, this is even applying to your personal time in the press. You come before God with an idea of, well, I know many things, I know many scriptures, let's let's talk, Lord. Let's why don't we talk about and and, and, and exegetically, hermeneutically dissect Colossians 3? Why don't we? Let's do it. Tell me, I'll tell you what I know, you tell me what you know. The Lord says, John three sixteen. Oh, for God's sake, so we've all heard that. Lord, give me something new. I want new revelation. I want something. I want something. And 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 really, when you have that attitude, you're not coming broke. Come by without price or without with, without you, you. It it has no price. Come by for me. What's the prerequisite? Come broke. You don't know as much as you think you know. Okay. Come with an open slate. Come with open hands. Verse two. Why? Do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Why do you spend your money for that which isn't bread and your wages for that which doesn't satisfy? You could say it like this. What currency could it be speaking of? Why do you spend your time for what is not bread and your energy on what does not satisfy? Now listen, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear and you shall live. What's he saying? In the kingdom, in the Bible context, hearing is eating. Hearing is eating, right? Hearing is eating. Come to me. He says this. Let's read it again. Now now think about this. Listen carefully to me and eat. And I want you to delight in a Abundance, incline your ear, come to me, hear, and your soul shall live. Hearing is eating. Why? Bread is food, but Jesus says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word." He equate. Even Jesus himself said, "I am the bread from heaven." The word is equated to bread. Correct? We know that through Scripture, and we know that eating is hearing. So let me ask you: Can you eat and talk at the same time? Can you eat and talk at the same time? Can you, if you're constantly coming and and, and and praying, I'm just shifting your focus of your, the way you engage the Lord is what I'm talking about. If you're only coming before the Lord, constantly talking, and you can. This isn't wrong. This isn't a... You know a, a crash course on the right way. What I'm asking of you this morning is this: I feel the Lord wants you to learn in a deeper way to eat from His presence. Oftentimes, in His presence, we come and we have ideas of what we want to see happen. I have, can't tell you how many churches I've been to that, when the presence of the Lord would come in a strong way, immediately that's the sign for the gift to come up. And okay, let's let's use this presence. So that I can, I can, it, it, it enhances the gift, right? If you're with an evangelist and the presence of the Lord comes, okay, it's time to lead people to the Lord. Come on, let's do this. Uh, you know, you're with a prophet. It's like, come on, it's flowing now. I want to prophesy over everybody. That's not a bad thing. But what I'm encouraging you in right now is this. How about instead, when you are experienced in that presence of God in your private time, in a corporate setting, what if you begin to say, I want to eat right now? Give me this day my daily bread. I want to eat right now from your presence. I want to eat. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take this that you don't have to press in for two hours to get, you know, a word of the Lord. Do you know when I referenced the scripture last night in the song of uh, uh, Solomon when Jesus the bridegroom says to the bride, one glance of your eyes, my sister, my bride, and you have ravished my heart. I didn't tell you this last night, but it applies now. Ravish means to steal away, but it comes from the root word to bake. <laughs> it comes from the root word to bake bread. How crazy is it that you can actually eat every time you take the simple, just, just simple, small moment to focus your heart on the Lord and say, Jesus, I love you so much. My eyes are upon you and he says I got fresh bread for you I got fresh bread. I got this we we so oftentimes equate like length of time with with we have this idea in the in much of the body of Christ where somehow quantity equals quality but the entire Gospels all of the word from Gideon's 300 to Jesus 12 we see that quantity is not always equal to quality do you understand what I'm saying Think of the widow's might. She gives a little bit. And Jesus says, you guys see that? She gave less than every other person here. But he said, I'll tell you what, that was bigger to God in the eyes of God than what everybody else gave. We think that the preacher that prays for two hours somehow is getting something more than the the, the mother who is a housewife who's able to lock herself in the bathroom and pray for five minutes with screaming kids. But I'll tell you what. God can give as much in those five minutes as He can in two hours. It's not the quantity. It's not how much. It's not, I'm not, it's not, well, I got to pray for two hours. It's this. Can you be focused? Can you stop throughout the day? Can you say, I want to feed off of the presence right now? You know, something happens when you acknowledge. I honestly think honor is is equal to to, to acknowledgement. If a king walks in the door, if the president, well, some of you for the president, if the president walked in right now, most most of everything would shut down because Secret Service would come in, everything would shut down, they're going to stick something on the podium right here, President of the United States of America, and he is going to have the floor. That's called honor. In other words, it's called acknowledgement. How much can I ask you, if throughout the ebb and flow of your day, if you stopped, stopped, And acknowledge his presence would you ultimately honor it and ultimately then get everything that it has for you in that moment see his presence never leaves you but I would say this you truly can walk in as much as you desire to you know I love that the Holy Spirit comes as a dove I love that picture If you've ever, you know, even tried to walk up to a bird, you understand that like you can't run up to it. There's this soft, imagine carrying that dove. Imagine the more that you acknowledge his presence, the more you're feeding from it, the more it's going to be seen and manifest in your life. The more the word is going to become flesh in your life. And that's when they say... I don't know who this person is but they walk as one in an authority and you don't have to be a preacher or a teacher to have that kind of authority do you know that do you know the people that led me to Jesus were two old weird ladies in a music store if you're watching this I love you if you ever see this or hear this I love you but you are weird you're weird they weren't like me they weren't cool they did, they weren't preachers they were women who loved Jesus and spoke into my life over and over and I thought they were crazy I was half tilted half the time in the music store I worked at where I got saved, and they just kept speaking to me, kept speaking to me. God used their life. I saw something on them I had never seen. It was the presence of the Lord on on someone's life, and I was able to have eyes to see it, and it led me into an encounter and in a relationship with Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Listen, you need to eat, and I want to challenge you throughout your day. This is practical. Life, this will Utterly revolutionize your entire life. Do you understand me? This is not small stuff. This is not acute teaching. This is something that will change your life. Stopping in the ebb and flow of your day and saying, Oh Jesus, I just acknowledge you right now. I just stop in my heart. I just, I'm on that couch with you. I'm with you. Would you just feed me right now from your presence? Speak your word to me right now. I love this Smith Wigglesworth. It says... He used to read a scripture every time before he ate because he said, I have to eat the bread of God before I eat, you know, natural food. I love little things like that. I love that Jesus would sneak away at various times to go pray. I love that. I love that. I love seeing that there's always need. There's always need. There's always gonna be people pulling from you. I need this from you. I gotta get this done. Come on, we got need. But what I'm telling you is this, is Jesus lived in such a way where he said, he said, I know my limitations. There comes points I have to feed from the presence of the Lord right now or I have nothing to give. You will, the world itself, the needs that aren't necessarily bad will pull from you. They will ruin you because it's not even from an evil place for most people. But if you don't prioritize feeding off of the presence and learning to live your life in that place, guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in a way where I'm learning to listen in that tender way, that tender voice, that tender voice. You know, last night I came into my, I'll just share this with you. It's just an example. I walk into my hotel room last night. I'm wanting to wind down. Maybe, you know, watch something stupid on YouTube or whatever. You know, I love watching Gordon Ramsay cuss people out. I mean, you know, I know that doesn't sound very Christian, but it makes me cry laughing. The Kitchen Nightmare. Anybody ever watch that? It's so funny. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not not that saved yet. So anyway, um, I'm like, I'm going to watch them. And the Lord just speaks to me last night and says, no, do none of that. Just go to bed. Go in. And it was stern, but it was like, And I just, it was one of those things. There will be times, little moments in the day. I I want you to do this. I want you to do that. This is the essence of following the presence of God. When Jonah got the word to go to Nineveh, it equates it as the same thing. He, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, go to Nineveh and preach there and tell them to repent. And then the next verse. So Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? Where his word is, his presence is. If you are walking in a way where the Lord speaks to you to do something, but you choose not, you are literally walking away from the presence. It's, and, and I mean, he'll still chase you down with a whale, you know, if, if he has to, because that's how good he is, right? He'll swallow you up. He'll get you, he'll get you there one way or the other. Um, but what I'm saying is to follow the presence is to obey the word and vice versa vice versa. To go, to follow the the Word is to stay in the presence. Do you hear what I'm saying? And to feed, and it's, and it's this cyclical idea of feeding from God. Come to me, buy without price. Why do you spend your time on that which isn't food? Why do you spend your energy on that which is not bread? Come to me, incline your ear, and eat in abundance. Hear that you may live Guys, listen, the bread of God wants to feed you, even right now in this place. He wants to feed you an hour from now. He wants to feed you another hour from then. He wants to, I know a prophet in Texas, he's one of the most powerful prophets I've ever met, many don't know his name. He said, I told God when 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 I first got saved, Lord, if you ever need someone to talk to and there's not an ear come to me. I'll always listen. I'll be there. And he has tenderized his heart to the voice of God. Your tenderness to his voice, your tenderness and honor for his presence will ultimately be the seed you sow that reaps this constant, uh, uh extraction of the kingdom of God and all he has to offer you. How many want to walk? I want to know in that way. How many really want to walk in that way? If you don't want to walk in that way, I want to tell you this, that, that, you <laughs> You're, you're dumb. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm seriously joking. I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm dumb too. It's okay. I want to eat. I want to eat. I want to eat from His presence, guys. I want to eat from that place. I want to delight myself in abundance. And when I'm in the wilderness place, I want to live by those words. I want to live by the Word. Nothing matters next to the Word. Nothing matters. I, I, I'm I learning that, that I cling to that, my food, that which sustains me, that that sustenance to my spirit that keeps me going, that stops me or, or, or stops me from giving up, right? It is that word. If I don't learn to live in that place of tenderness, I can't make it and do what I'm called to do. I won't. I won't do it. Stand with me. I just want to pray for you this morning. And then I'm going to go eat real food because I just think that saved yet. I told y'all, you, you don't you know. I told you I watched The Revenant the other night and half the, the Holy Ghost got sucked out of the room because I told you that. I'm, I'm sorry, I just must not be that. That saved yet. <laughs> the other times I'm not saved is, you know, road, I have this road rage thing I've been working on, you know. It's like I forget that Jesus lives in me sometimes. It's a little better in Nashville than San Francisco. But guys, you know what? I am just so thankful for you. I love this place like family. I, I it, it's not. That's not something I have to say. Uh, you know, I really, really love this, this, this church, this, this family. It's so dear to me. I feel so taken care of. All the faces I see. I, I really just love you. I thank you so much for supporting me. And I, my desire for you truly is that, um, that there would be something that happened in your personal life. That would, that would start to it, it just infect the corporate. I, I feel that God is inviting you almost to the basics again. Because sometimes those foundational things are what win championships. They are. It's not the flash, man. It's the foundational things that, that will cause you to be victorious. Foundational things that you've heard your whole life but, but I pray God infuse freshness into the revelation that you are walking with God in such a way that you can feed at all times. I don't want you to think that you're relegated to a time and a place just to piggyback off what we said yesterday. I just, right now you can just ignore me and just begin to say, Father, I'm here. I, I want to hear your voice. When you're washing dishes, when you're when you're going to work, when you're at work, when you're, 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 everything you're doing, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know what that means? In some way, it means many things, but it it means, I feel the Lord saying, it's at hand. It's it's what you put your hand to. It's whatever you put your hand to. The kingdom of God is at hand. He wants to be intricately involved in every space, destroying that, that, that false, uh line of, of sacred and, and 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 natural he wants the word to become flesh father i pray you would give bread to every person in the room right now as a matter of fact i just release bread to you right now to your spirits for you have the anointing of the holy one inside of you that teaches you all things and he will teach you all things the word of the lord is the bread of God incline your ear stop trying to talk and eat at the same time learn how to how to eat in the spirit learn how to eat by listening by stopping and hearing that voice